But how do you explain the mystery of who we are? The Bible says God is not a mystery. God has revealed himself. The mystery is why do people do the things that they do? Why do we do the things? We don't want to do bad things and we go ahead and do that. We want to do great things and we never get around to it. Is it because of our physiology? Is it a hormone imbalance? Is it because of our parents? Did someone teach us that? Is it because of the environment? Well, the Apostle Paul, if you're visiting, we're going through this monster letter to the book of Romans. And he gives a shocking and a confusing and yet an incredibly liberating answer to the human condition. We sin because of the disease called sin in us. It's not us necessarily, but it's the disease that we have, and only Christ can liberate us. He lays out in the seventh chapter this great struggle within, and then he gives the power of life in the Spirit. And if you have your Bible, would you take it out and stand with me for the reading of God's Word and turn to the book of Romans, the eighth chapter. It's on page 919 in your pew Bible, and verses 26 through 30. Paul has laid out this incredible, stunning good news that God has done what the law could not do. As a rabbi, that he would say that. And now this promise of the Holy Spirit helping us in our lives. If you're visiting, when I get done reading, I'll say, this is the word of the Lord. And if you believe it, you'll say, thanks be to God. So together as God's people, let's read aloud verses 26 through 30. And as you read, listen carefully, you're reading God's word. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know how to pray as we ought, but that very Spirit intercedes with sighs too deep for words. And God who searches the heart knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. We know that all things work together for good, for those who love God, who are called according to His purpose. For those who he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn with a large family. And those who he predestined, he also called. And those who he called, he also justified. And those who he justified, he also glorified. This is the word of the Lord. Heaven and earth will pass away, but the words you just read never will. Throw up a chair for tonight's show, starring Bud Abbott and Luke Costello. How you doing? Well, we're glad you were here today. What we're gonna? What are you doing? I've been a bad boy. That preacher man keeps looking at me. I sinned, and I think he knows it. We all sin. Everybody knows that. Everybody knows I sinned? Sure. Even the preacher man? No, especially the preacher man. <laughs> I don't feel so comfortable anymore. Hide me. Hide me. I know what you need. A bigger partner. No. You need to look at Romans. Romans? Yeah, Romans. How is looking at a bunch of Italians going to help me? No. You need to read the book of Romans. How is reading about a bunch of Italians going to help me? No. Romans is a book in the Bible. 
How is reading the Bible? Oh, that's a good idea. Good idea. That's what I thought you said. We're going to start at Romans 7, verse 15. And remember, pay close attention. You're reading God's Word. (laughs) He's looking at me again. All right. I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. Okay. But what I hate, I do. And if I do, what I do not want to do, very small Bible, I agree the law is good. As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but the sin living in me. There. Simple. I'm so confused. All right. You sin, right? Oh, boy, do I. But do you want to sin? No. But a part of me must have wanted to because I did it. (laughs) I'm so ashamed. All right, all right. That's my point exactly. It's not you doing it. No, no, I was there. I'm pretty sure it was me. (laughs) See, it's not you. It's the sin inside. It's the sin inside? Exactly. It's the sin inside. Do you have any idea what he's talking about? All right, let me put it this way. When you sin, it's not you doing it. It's it's the old you. I got an old me? You got an old you. What's he look like? Just like you. He doesn't look any older? Nope. Then what's the point of having an old me? The old you sins. The new you wouldn't do it. Wait a minute. I sin? Of course you do. But you're saying it's not me? It's an old me who looks exactly like me? So it's not me doing it? Exactly. It's the sin inside. You got it? Only thing I got is a bruised sternum. Okay. Oh, let's say I go out and I rob a bank. All right. I wouldn't suggest it, but fine. You rob a bank. And they got 12 eyewitnesses. They all say they saw me doing it. They got pictures that show me doing it. But you say it's not me doing it. That's right. It's the sin inside. I beat you that time. You did. (laughs) But do you get it? I don't know. Who gets to keep the money? What what money? The money my old sinful self just stole. Well, you can't keep it. That'd be wrong. And I know it's wrong. But my my old sinful self, he doesn't, and he wants to keep it real bad. It's a lot of money. It was a big bank. What you're describing is the war waging inside of all of us. So now I'm at war? Of course you are. You do and you want to do what you know you shouldn't do. Then why do I do it? It's not you doing it. It's the sin inside. inside. I don't know what it's I hope about. you get this dunderhead because everybody else understands this. You call me a dunderhead? I did. You call me a dunderhead. <laughs> okay, let's say I sin. When? Before? No, no, no. I'm sinning right now. How do you know it's a sin? Is thinking bad thoughts about another person a sin? Of course it is. Then I'm sinning big time. We've established that you sin. And the Lord, he sees it. Of course he does. Who does he think did it? Look, this is so simple. That's what you keep saying, but I don't understand a thing. When you sin, if you have faith, then the Lord sees you as holy. So now I'm holy? Yes. Then what am I doing robbing a bank? It's not you doing it. It's the the sin inside. inside. I hope that's clear. I hope we don't do this at all three services. Okay, okay, I'm going to give this a shot. All right, go. Here we go. Let's, here, 
Hang on. Oh, all right, okay. I'm ready. Okay, go for it. <laughs> Hang on a second. Okay, here we go. According to Romans, there's a war waging inside me. Therefore, I don't do what I want to do, but I do do what I hate. Yes, exactly. <laughs> what? I just said do-do in church. All right. <laughs> go on. But if I have faith, then God sees me as holy, which I am not. So it's not me doing it. It's... The sin inside. I think you got it. I don't know what I said. Look, it is so simple, Chowderhead. All you if you is... say it simple one say. more time, then the old me is going to start wailing on the new you. And the old me is going to wail right back. So it's war, is it? Yes. You finally got it. Took you long enough, Chowderhead. How does he do that? It's war. I don't... Preacher man, still looking at me. Don't leave me alone. Hey, Abby! Actually embarrassing how theologically sound they always are, but uh, that's exactly right. Do we really at heart, are human beings basically good that have a few needs, or are people basically evil and they have momentary flashes of God's image? Paul takes that on and he says the good news is, after going through Romans 7, the struggle within which these two are talking about, is that God has done Salvation was God's idea. He initiated it. He thought of saving us. He sustains it. None of us can live the Christian life on our own. And he will ultimately culminate it. And in this beautiful 8th chapter of Romans, which should take a year to preach on, and we'll do it in the next 21 minutes, God lays out through the Apostle Paul the good news, the difference between the life in the flesh and life in the spirit. Life in the flesh, and that doesn't mean just partying and getting high. Flesh means your mind and your own will. No matter how much you polish it up, it's still the flesh. And the flesh will always lead to bondage and death. But life in the spirit, no matter how frustrating or painful, no matter how many times we fumble and stumble at the same sin, is unstoppable. It will always lead to liberty and life. Because God has ordained that. And with the mission that you and I have, we need to learn to walk in the Spirit. Let's turn back and take a look at this. Let's turn over to uh, Romans 7, first of all. And if you brought your own Bible, that should be really close to Romans 8. It's on page 918, and Paul lays this out. In verse 21 through 30, he lays out what these two were talking about. Let's read 21 through 30 of the 7th chapter together out loud. So I find it to be a law that when I want to do what is good, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God in my inmost self. But I see in my members another law at war within the law of my mind, making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Wretched man that I am, who will rescue me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with my mind I am a slave to the law of God. But with my flesh I am a slave to the law of sin. Now what Paul is talking about. He says deep down inside in my mind. I long to love the Lord with all my heart. And I, love to, I long to love people just like I love myself. 
But in my members, the Greek word melee, in my body, I find this other thing that delights in doing what is wrong. And he says this is unstoppable. You know, are people basically good or bad? Well, you know, a lot of times we're good until somebody's given more than we have. Like the uh, story of the proverbial guy walking along, finds the bottle, the genie comes out, says you get three wishes, and he says the only thing you need to know is whatever you get, your mother-in-law gets twice as much. He says, well, I guess that's okay. So he said, I'd like a new car. Poof, had a brand new Maserati. Calls up his mother-in-law. She said, you won't believe this. Someone just brought me two Maseratis. He goes, okay. And then he said, I'd like to have a big house, like 10,000 square feet. Poof, drives by in his new car, his mother-in-law. She's got a 20,000 square foot house. Jeannie says, you got one more wish. He goes, okay, can you choke me half to death? (laughs) No matter what we say on the outside, down, I know, I'll get emails on that one, that when you get (laughs) at the base, why does it bug us if other people are blessed? Paul says it's this disease called sin. And what he means by sin is you can't get a bottle of sin. It's not a physiological infection. And it's not just lack of knowledge. It's not just ignorance. It is this mystery of this character we have, that we are slaves of it. Everyone knows that. The rabbis taught in the time of Saul of Tarsus, as the Apostle Paul is teaching, that we were given two natures. Yetzer Hatob and Yetzer Hara. A good nature and a bad nature. Even the Romans, Ovid, the great Roman poet, pen these words that became almost a mantra among the Stoics following along. Uidio meliora probate detoria secretor. And what it means is, I see the good I want to do, but I follow what is self-destructive. Deteriore. He's saying, why is that? Why would I do stupid things against me? Well, Paul says, because you've got a disease. And when Paul says, wretched man that I am, He's not just being a preacher. He's saying, who will save me? And then he says, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ. God has saved me and reached out through his son. And he continues on. Look at the 8th chapter, verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Let's read that first verse together out loud. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. See, what Paul is saying is that, not just that it's partial condemnation, nothing. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you or me free from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. I remind you, this is a rabbi saying the law could never save you. The law is good, but we could never chin ourselves up. So God has done for us. He reached down and grabbed us by the back of the neck in the middle of this river of ooze and toxic waste called sin, and he pulled us out by his grace. It's not us swimming out and standing on the bank. It's God reaching down. So not only did he initiate it, but he's going to continue it. Therefore, he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the just requirements of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. To set the mind on the flesh is death, morte. But to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. 
When your life is obsessed with either trying to earn your salvation or live life on your own strength or how are you going to get ahead or how are you going to maximize it, it leads to disappointment, heartbreak, and death. But when you focus on saying, Lord, live your life through me, and I've told you before that when you wake up in the morning, you should get this down as a reaction even before you get your first cup of coffee. When you're opening your eyes, and I, I've told you before, most people say, good morning, Lord. Some of us say, good Lord, it's morning. And when you open your eyes, rather than saying, what am I going to do, say, Jesus, take over. Now, he's not going to levitate you out of the bed, brush your teeth, and give you breakfast. He doesn't, there's a difference between waiting on the Lord and letting the Lord wait on you. But you know what I mean. That difference inside where you say, oh God, live your life risen Christ through me. And the rest of the day, it is stunning, the difference between that and you trying to imitate. What would Jesus do is a nice thing to say, but that's not the Christian life. What should be on your wristband is what is Jesus doing? It's not about you trying to imitate Christ. You can't do it. It's about saying, Christ, live this new life through me and walking in the Spirit. Now, the world's response, and, and the word sarks in the Greek flesh, Pneumatos is the word for spirit. That the world, how does it respond? Well, the Eastern philosophy, our good friends who are Hindu and Buddhists who will attend here, and I'm sure are here even today, they will say they've never met a desire that was good, ultimately. Desire itself is wrong. So you have to turn off the valve at its source. Get rid of all desire and you will become content. The Western view is there's no such thing as a bad desire, really. Western psychology says you might have a few misfits or misdirected desire, but the idea is a few issues from your past. But the issue is self-actualization. The more you feed your desire, the happier you are. And the biblical response is, mm, close, no cigar on either one. You have good desires and you have bad desire, and they are at war. The idea is to take the good desire and keep feeding it, fl flaming it, having it burn alive with love and joy and peace and experiencing the good things God wants. The bad desire, you don't try to just, like the dog whisperer, the sin whisperer, behave, behave, behave. You don't do that and put it in the corner. You crucify it. And that means you say, God, take that part of me away. And your old nature is terrified of Jesus. You know why? Because it knows when Christ gets a hold of it, he's not going to scold it. He's going to kill it. So the real you can live. And that's why we do all these games with God, lest he really get a hold of us and transform our life, because it scares us to death. And Jesus, we say, if we gave up that, I would just die. And to which Jesus says, good. Drop dead. Why? So that I can raise you into new life. And no one on their own can do that. And so he calls us, and then he talks about life here in verse 12 so he talks about this, Christ is in you. So, brothers and sisters, we are debtors, not to the flesh. You don't owe the law anything to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you'll die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you received the spirit of adoption. When we cry, this is unbelievable words for a rabbi, Abba, Father, it is the very spirit bearing witness with our spirit. We are children of God. 
And if children of God, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if we suffer with him so that we might be glorified with him. This last week at family camp, we were studying together C.S. Lewis and his works together. In Mere Christianity, he talks about that this sanctification is the process of becoming like Christ. Paul says you are justified right now. A million years from now, when sin is an old memory, you will not be any more loved than you are right now. You will not be any more just when you haven't sinned since the Milky Way is just an old tale. You are justified right now. And not only that, you are adopted. You don't have a spirit of slavery that God's going to say, Get in here, brewer. They are sinning again. Smack you around. No, you're his very child. Those of you who have been adopted or going through that process, you know that when you adopt a child, you don't say like, here's my regular kids and here's the adopted one. <laughs> Remember this lady we knew that, well, maybe some of your parents did, obviously, but uh, <laughs> we knew a lady had four of her own. She adopted two and someone one time dumbly said, which ones are the adopted? And she said, you know, for the life of me, I can't remember. They're mine. You know, I've always wanted to be adopted by Bill Gates. It's kind of hard. I think I'm older than him, but I want to be his kid. Uh, why? He's got the money. That's why. Paul is saying you are literally an heir of Christ, co-heirs with him. You have a joint signature spiritually on the checking account as Jesus, king of the universe. Paul is saying he's not exaggerating. It's true. And it's not because of our righteousness that we earn this. It is God's gift. So he says as the spirit leads us. And then he says this wonderfully bizarre thing. We're not only set free from our fears of our past or trying to live life on our own, but our future. Look at verse 18. I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory to be revealed in us. The creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the children of God. For the creation was subject to futility, not of its own will, but by the will of the one who subjected it in hope. The creation itself will be freed from the bondage to decay and will obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. We know the whole creation has been groaning in labor pains until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruit of the Spirit groan inwardly as we wait for adoption, the redemption of our bodies. And by this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope, for who hopes for what is seen? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Paul says, and when he says sufferings, by the way, he doesn't mean that he had a bad hair day. And it doesn't mean that he was made fun of. And it doesn't mean he even went to the 9 o'clock worship hour. He was beaten so bad, they left him in a pool of blood, they thought he was dead. He was beaten five times with rods, a little Roman gift to break your internal organs. Three times he said, I received 39 lashes. That's 40 minus 1 by those in the the leadership of the synagogues. He was a wreck at sea. He was hated. He was betrayed. And he said, you know, this this suffering doesn't even worth comparing to the glory that is to be revealed to us. And actually, the Greek word is through us. The whole creation, he says, is longing. And that word longing is, is like a guard on watch scanning the horizon. And whatever Paul means, Because the word is cosmos. That the whole creation is waiting for what? You. 
And you are somehow going to be used of God in redeeming them, opening the gate, letting them out of prison. Obviously, that is the, the church and the good news around the world. But I think he's talking about if there is life out there. Someone said, do you think there's intelligent life in space? You know the answer. That's not the question. Is there intelligent life in L.A.? That's what I would like to know. <laughs> but as whatever's out there that you would be used in help telling the good news of Christ, that he says that there's literally waiting, and that you, likewise, you know the plan that God has, and he is trying to carve you into his image. The Holy Spirit right now, as C.H. Dodd said, prayer is the divine within us praying to the divine above us. The Holy Spirit this morning said, I know what it takes to make her look like Jesus, to make him look like Jesus. And the Spirit of God appealed to God the Father saying, do this in their life. Why do all things work together for good when you leave here today? Not because I wish I may, I wish I might, I wish upon the star tonight. Because it is literally an answer to what the Spirit of God has already prayed. Now, we have an adversary that is out there against us and things coming against us and it's a broken world. But God's already ahead of that. And that's why we are going to be not only predestined to be like Christ, but called and justified, glorified. Then, we know I, Tertius is his amanuensis, his secretary at the end of the letter. Can you imagine as Paul is walking back and forth as the Spirit of God is upon him. They're taking kind of shorthand on a wax tablet before they write it on a parchment. Look at verse 37. He talks about all these horrible things and being killed for right. In all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. You don't need to earn it. You don't help out by trying to earn it. Grace is so that we can live the law because it's the better way to live, not in showing ourselves worthy. Christopher Wren, when he built St. Paul's in London, it was the largest dome of that time ever made. Before he raised money, they said this dome will collapse in on itself, the great architect. And he said, okay, if I can't get money unless I have a support beam, I'll put one up. And in the back of the cathedral, he had a support beam going up, a, a pillar. A hundred years ago, they discovered when they're doing some repair on the work that the pillar never touched the roof of the dome. It was about six inches short. He's going, you need a pillar. Okay, there's a pillar. Let's get on with it, all right? It just supported on its own. You don't impress God as a good boy or girl when you do what he asks. You say in gratitude, I trust you. But you're already forgiven. You're already his. All he wants is a vessel that he can use. And when God has forgiven something, it's forgiven. More than conquerors, a great word. Hypernicomen. Hyper means super conqueror. You don't just get through the waves of life. You use them. You don't just swim through these waves. You use them for surfing. God is using these things in life to make us grow into the image of Christ. And we need to remember to forget what God has forgotten. We need to take hold of what God lays out in front of us. He has already conquered not just the world, but this six square feet of this body that takes up life. 
and conquered it more than a conqueror. And I belong to him like you. Firefighters, I, when I was a student assistant at Colorado State University, we had a, a lot of the collegians there. They were smoke jumpers for fighting these terrible fires. And a very common tactic for smoke jumpers when they go into these fires, as you know, and you'll see them doing them out here, is a back burn. Why? If you burn out an area first, when the fire comes at you, and those fires create their own winds up to 100 miles an hour, those things can move coming back at you. But if you can get to an area that's already burnt, you're totally safe. Christ, when he loved us so much, that when he's hung on that cross, and when he, the one who had never done any wrong, the one who had given nothing but love, had given nothing but his submission to the Father, had his entire life only told the truth. And he saw you and me in need and he came and he said to the Father, what do you want? And the Father said, I need you to do something. And in a mystery for all eternity, which we will be celebrating and praising as we go into the future, God the Son put on flesh as that child, just like those little cute kids we held here lived his life among us, raised the dead, healed, told the truth, and went to that cross. And when he went to that cross, and he took all the wrath of a perfect God, he said, you stand behind me. It's a safe area. And I will take the heat you deserve. We're going to have you take, as we said, these different baskets will be here, and that little black piece of paper. If you want to simply jot something upon it, or maybe to use it as symbolic, and to come to one of these baskets here, and we'll have some in the back, and that to just simply crumple it up and to drop it in. And as we burn them in this holy fire before the Lord, even as they would burn the offering in the Old Testament, that we will be using as a sign of being symbolic, of saying, Lord, they're merely ashes. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Let's pray, shall we? God, as we come before you and we thank you for what you have done for us, we pray, Jesus, that you would help us to forget what you have forgotten, that, that the scandal that you do love us and you are in control and we don't have anything to be afraid of, that, Lord, you would lay the fears and that the sins and the failures consume the attacks of the evil one, Lord, not on the basis of burning paper, but on the basis of the blood of Christ. So we ask you would come now and do this for the glory of Jesus. For his sake we pray. Amen.